glad that you could be with us this morning as we worship the King of Kings. He is good. We're in the book of Titus this morning. Been in the midst of a series on uh, elders or pastors, same term uh, that you find find in the Bible. Elders, you, that's what we typically refer to around here as pastors. And so today we're going to conclude this portion of the book of Titus on pastors. And so as we get into that, I don't know about you, but I enjoy watching these uh, shows where they take a car and they modify it, right? And they make it look really cool. Sometimes it's just a big rust bucket that comes in and uh, they turn it into something uh, really cool. Uh, There's a culture known as the hot rod culture that developed as uh, some of our soldiers came home from the war and they had learned how to weld and how to be mechanics and that type of thing. And they came home and, and didn't necessarily have a lot of money, but there were a ton of Model T Fords around because everybody had one because they were produced for so many years. And uh, so what they took to doing was is they would get a Model T Ford and then they would chop off the, the, the top of it, the, the roof, and then they'd modify it and they would take parts from other cars and add them to it, give it a souped up engine, make it look really cool and uh, really fast. And some of those hot rods are so modified you can barely tell that they were ever a Model T Ford. And while it's really neat... To modify a car and to make it look cool and drive fast, the gospel of Jesus Christ is not something that can be modified to make it cooler or more modern. It is to be maintained as it was given by the apostles. Some churches and denominations have so accommodated the gospel to the world that it is no longer the gospel. Others have added to the gospel so that it is no longer the gospel. May that never be said of Faith Baptist Church. Let's look at Titus 1, verse 9. Just one verse that we're launching from this morning. Speaking of a person who is qualified to be an elder, Titus has been told to appoint elders in the church at Crete. And uh, so he is to look for one or multiple men, actually, but it says he must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. I want you to understand this morning that as a Christian, you need pastors who are going to be good stewards of the gospel. And first, I want you to see that there is a trustworthy gospel at the core of our faith. What is that word that is worthy of trust? Well, if you look to the inside of your bulletin, I've got it marked in red there uh, as uh, Paul hints at what the trustworthy word is over in chapter three, verses four through eight. Titus chapter three, verses four through eight. We read there, it says, But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, 
whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This saying is trustworthy, referring back to what we're talking about. There's a trustworthy word. And he said, I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. You see, there's a trustworthy gospel at the core of our faith. And we see in this all the elements of of creeds that have been developed. We are saved by God's grace through faith for those who have believed in God. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior, we are declared righteous by God's grace. It's a gift to us. And he saved us not because we were worth saving, not because we were good people, not because we did good works, but actually we were Enemies of God, sinners who needed to be saved, and he saved us by grace. And if you're here this morning and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior and Christ alone, I urge you today, repent of your sins and trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. He is the only hope that you have of escaping God's judgment. Throw yourself upon God's mercy today in the name of Jesus Christ. You see, the core of our faith is the trustworthy word. It's the gospel. And at its heart is the person and work of Christ. In Titus, the circumcision party is a threat to the gospel. So there is a trustworthy gospel core at our faith. But notice that a qualified elder must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught. This core message of the gospel must not be modified. It must be held onto firmly as taught by the apostles. It is vitally important that a man who is being considered for the office of pastor or elder to understand the gospel. As a steward of God's people, an overseer must steward the gospel. Why is that so important? Well, Titus 1.9 tells us in the latter part, it says he must hold firm to the trustworthy word is taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. Here we find two reasons why an elder must hold firm to the gospel as taught. First of all, is to give instruction in sound doctrine. That word sound means healthy. It is it is. Uh, sound, it is solid. And then give instruction means to exhort someone or encourage someone or urge someone. Just like if you're not, if you're not saved this morning, I urge you to believe the gospel. If you're here this morning and, and you are struggling as to rather to commit sin, I exhort you to turn from that. And if you're here this morning and you're discouraged because the Christian life can be hard, we can be encouraged by the gospel. Instruction in sound gospel is important for several reasons. It is the only hope for salvation. We don't add to it. We certainly don't want to dilute it. We give the gospel as it is because that is what can save a person from God's judgment. A proper understanding of the gospel encourages us in times of suffering. 
It is, it is a reminder to us of God's love. Romans 5.8 says, But God shows His love for us, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God saw us at our worst and chose to save us. What love. What love He has for us. And in that passage in Romans, Romans 5, 1 and 2 tells us that since we have been justified by faith, we're at peace with God. We have a new standing in grace with God, not judgment. And knowing that we are justified and at peace, we are no longer in fear of judgment. Any suffering that we encounter is not because God is angry with us. He loves us. So any difficulties that we face are either, number one, to help accomplish his redemptive plans, or number two, to help us grow to be more like Jesus, or number three, to correct us. But God is the perfect parent. If you've ever corrected your children, or as a child, if you were ever corrected by your parents in anger, God doesn't do that. He corrects us in love. He's not out to get us. He corrects us because He loves us. <coughs> now, <clears throat> one caveat it says here, and it's interesting that my throat is getting scratchy as I do this. One thing is that, that it does not say about the elders' teaching. It says nothing about being a dynamic speaker. Listen, I don't want to be boring, and I strive to be engaging, but please don't compare your pastor's to your favorite famous preachers that you may hear on the radio, television, or internet. We don't have editors to cut out our material. We don't get to edit it, and we don't have any second takes. What you hear is what you get. All that to say, being a dynamic speaker is not a biblical requirement for an elder. Somebody can be a biblical, or can be very engaging as a speaker, but be unqualified as a pastor. But correct doctrine, it saves and it sanctifies individuals, and ultimately it glorifies God, not man. Incorrect doctrine damns people, frustrates people, and it glorifies people. You need to know what you believe and live it out. Qualified elders help you with that. So it's to give instruction in sound doctrine. You have to know what you believe in order to pass it on to others and pass it on to the next generation so that it remains and continues after you pass away. I talk with Pastor Tad and, and sometimes I'll say, look, I'm just Moses. I'm, I'm entering that Moses point of my life. It looks like unless the Lord Jesus calls us to be with himself, I'm not going to make it. Right. Till till the new creation. And so I need I need to invest myself in younger men in Joshua's who are going to raise up and be ready to take the people on in. And then, you know, they get older and then they become Moses and they have to pass it on. And so we're in this we're in this thing. And, and we see this even with Paul and Titus. We come to the end of our lives. We need to make sure the gospel gets passed on to the next generation. But also, he is to rebuke those who contradict sound doctrine. The second reason an elder must hold firm to the gospel as taught is so he can rebuke those who contradict the gospel. Now, what constitutes a rebuke by an elder? Well, false teaching 
and ungodliness are the two areas where a rebuke is uh, necessary. Now, here at Faith Baptist Church, we distinguish doctrines into three different categories. And you have that on your sheet. You'll see those three circles. There are three categories. Core, characteristic, and charity beliefs. It's important to make distinctions between doctrines. Some doctrines are simply more important than others. What you believe about the deity of Jesus Christ is much weightier than what you believe about baptism. And what you believe about baptism is weightier than what you believe about the timing of the end times. Therefore, to help you with that, we have these three categories that give weightiness to the different beliefs and what beliefs are required for membership at Faith Baptist Church. Those are the, the core beliefs are those doctrines that represent the historic and evangelical faith. If you disbelieve a core doctrine, you are saying that I'm an unbeliever. If you deny one of those core doctrines, they are essential to the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Some doctrines that are included in this are the deity of Christ, the Trinity, salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. Those are different doctrines that you must believe in in order to be saved. Historic examples of those who fall out of that core doctrine. In Titus, it's the Judaizers who want to bring believers into the Jewish faith. And so, well, now you've trusted Christ, but you need to be uh, circumcised and you need to keep the law afterwards. Christ is, we're saved by Christ alone. Right? We don't add to it. It's not, it's not grace plus works. That's not what saves us. So that's an early controversy. We'll get into that more next week, or Lord willing, as we move on in Titus. But early church controversies also came along after the, after the Bible was finished about the person and work of Christ. We had the formulations of doctrines such as the Trinity. We had creeds and confessions throughout history that have helped believers to hold fast to the trustworthy word as taught by the apostles. Some people will say, and you may hear it said, and some of you may have said it, no creed but the Bible. Well, that's a simple take. No creed but the Bible. It is bad interpretations of the Bible that must be defended against. That's why creeds and statements of faith are good and helpful things. We have a historic faith here at Faith Baptist Church that has been challenged Throughout history, another challenge to the core doctrines of is what resulted in the Reformation with Martin Luther and the Protestants splitting from the Roman Catholic Church over the very core teachings of the gospel. The Catholics taught justification by faith plus works. That's not a gospel. The Reformation Creed that we recite occasionally reflects the true gospel teaching of justification by faith alone. And we say it this way, with the scriptures as our supreme authority in all spiritual matters, we confess that we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, for the glory of God alone. Another challenge that came to the core doctrines of the gospel were in the late 1800s and the early 1900s when the doctrine of substitutionary atonement and miracles and the deity of Christ and the bodily resurrection, all those things were challenged 
by modernist. And out of this movement eventually came the terms fundamentalist and then evangelical, which were used to describe those who held to the trustworthy word as taught by the apostles. Now, those words have taken on baggage and meaning as English words do. We have a living language. And so, so you know, those words are added to and taken away from. But that's where we got them. That's where they originated. So, to deny a core doctrine is to deny the true faith. A diluted gospel is ineffective. Adding to the gospel is no gospel at all. In Galatians 1, 6-9, Paul is... is astonished, dumbstruck that the Galatian church now has Judaizers in there saying that they have to be circumcised and follow the law. And he says this in Galatians 1, 6-9. He says, I'm astonished that you are so quickly uh, deserting Him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there's another one. But there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. If we, as we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. Now, did your parents ever repeat something to you? And when they did that, what, what, what was that signaling to you? You better pay attention. What I'm saying is serious. And that's what Paul does here. If somebody tries to add to the gospel or to take away from the gospel, they need to be accursed. They need to be put under God's damnation. They need to be put out of the church. That's what he's saying. You're entertaining these false teachers and they're in danger. So to deny a core doctrine is to deny the true faith. This would be something that would require a rebuke from an elder. Now, we'll see, Lord willing, the next time we're in Titus, that this correction is hopefully that they will become sound in the faith. Okay, But that's for the next time. So those are core doctrines. Then we have our characteristic beliefs. These are the doctrines that characterize Faith Baptist Church as a Baptist church. In other words, there are other true churches filled with true Christians who might believe differently than we do on these beliefs. It's where we get different denominations from. Characteristic beliefs for us would include the believer's baptism, the congregational form of government, and others. The requirement for membership at Faith Baptist Church is believing the core and characteristic beliefs summarized in our confession of faith. If you start believing and teaching something contradictory to the core and characteristic doctrines of our church, then you can expect to be rebuked by one of the elders. And we have our doctrinal statement broken down into core, characteristic, and then charity beliefs. Charity beliefs are those beliefs that Christians within the same church can agree to disagree on. In other words, we want to be charitable with one another on these particular beliefs. Some of these would include alcohol consumption. Drunkenness is the line that God draws. Some people believe that you can drink alcohol and as long as you don't get drunk. And then there are others who say you shouldn't have any. Well, you can have those different convictions on that as long as we're not getting drunk. 
That would require a rebuke. But that would be an example of a charity belief. Some uh, won't do any kind of work on the Sabbath, on, on Sunday. Uh, some do, some don't. There are differences there. That's okay. We can agree to disagree on those things. And then uh, there's the return of the timing of the return of the Lord. The return of the Lord is the core doctrine. When and the timing and how that's all going to play out, those are things we can agree to disagree on. Charity beliefs. And we look to two scriptures in particular, 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and Romans 14, teach us how believers can relate to one another regarding charity beliefs. So, rebuking those who contradict doctrine uh, by teaching bad doctrine, but then there's also ungodliness. Ungodly behavior is another area where an elder may have to rebuke a person. Titus 1.16 says this, They profess to know God, but they deny Him by their works. They are detestable, disobedient, unfit for any good work. In other words, there are some people who say they're Christians, but they don't live like they're Christians. They don't, they don't show that the Lord Jesus Christ is Lord of their life at all. So these would be unrepenting sins committed by someone claiming to be a believer. And that can be many different things. We have a few different lists that give us the general categories that we can look for. 1 Corinthians 5.11 is one of those. He says, Now I am writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother. In other words, he's claiming to be a Christian. We are not to associate with him if he is guilty of sexual immorality or greed, or is an idolater, reviler, drunkard, or swindler, not even to eat with such a one. Other lists includes homosexuality, stealing, adulterers, even lack of attendance of church services. These are things that are contradictory to sound doctrine or the things that should adorn sound doctrine. And they need to be rebuked. By elders. Revelation 3.19, Jesus said, Jesus said to the church in Laodicea, To those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. So be zealous and repent. And so when someone is behaving in an ungodly manner, then the pastors need to rebuke them. So as a steward of God's people, an overseer must steward the gospel in the teaching and the outpouring or the outflow of that teaching. The core of our faith is the trustworthy word, the gospel. It is the heart of the gospel. Excuse me, at the heart of the gospel is the person and work of Jesus Christ. And that's where we have cults that come in. They will deny that Jesus is the Christ, or they'll deny some part of his work, who he is and what he did. It's typically where we get theological cults. In Titus, the circumcision party is the threat. The gospel is simply not a car that we can modify and take away from or add to in order to accommodate the world or legalism. The gospel must be guarded. The core of our faith must never be modified. It needs to be as taught by the disciples. A diluted gospel is ineffective. If a doctor were to give you medicines that were to cure you and he had diluted them, 
to where they didn't do their job and they were not effective, that would be criminal. Well, we don't want to dilute the Gospel. Somebody needs to believe the Gospel as it is, as it is given, in order to be saved. So we don't want to take away from it. Adding to the Gospel is no Gospel at all. Elders are to rebuke those who contradict the Gospel in teaching and by their actions. The Gospel must be given to others. The Gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is the only hope of salvation for this world. The Gospel must be taught to believers and passed on to the next generation. Elders, help us with this. Our lives are to be lived out of our beliefs. The Gospel saves, the Gospel sanctifies, and it secures us as we live out the Gospel in our lives. As we like to say here at Faith, our church exists to glorify God by giving the Gospel, guarding the Gospel, and growing Christians. So let's finish this little mini-series on elders by reading Titus chapter 1, verses 5 through 9. <coughs> Titus 1, verses 5 through 9. This is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. If anyone is above reproach, the husband of one wife and his children are believers and not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination. For an overseer, as God's steward, must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or drunkard or violent or greedy for gain, but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught, so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine, and also to rebuke those who contradict it. As a Christian, you need a healthy church with a plurality of elders who, as God's stewards, demonstrate good stewardship in their home, over themselves, and with the gospel. As a Christian, you need pastors who are good stewards of the gospel. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we have a message that doesn't need to be changed in order for the church to survive. Oh, Father, we read so many times that the church has to change its message on these different social issues in order to accommodate people coming to Christ. And that's just the exact opposite. We're not looking to get big, Lord. We're looking to find your people who are willing to renounce sin and follow Christ. Father, may we be faithful stewards of the gospel here at Faith Baptist Church. May these people rise up and kick out any pastor who begins to teach a different gospel. And Father, I pray that you will steal the pastors here and the pastors that come in the future to be willing to rebuke those who are coming in and trying to teach other gospels that are false gospels and trying to say that you can live ungodly lives while claiming that Jesus is the Lord. Father, may this church bring you glory in word and in deed. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.